When Lindsay was 13, she started dating her very first boyfriend, a guy named Mitch. But as she confessed in her journal, Lindsay had a bit of a wandering eye. July 1st. I need to see Mitch really bad. I mean, today on the beach, I saw three really hot guys with their shirts off. And then I reminded myself that I have my man at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> that kind of threw me off, LOL. Well, I better get out of the bathroom now or my parents will think I'm having a really big crap. Love, Lindsay. That's Lindsay trying not to blow her cover as she secretly journaled in the bathroom. I'm Dan Meisner, and this is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. On this show, we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Mercury Room in Edmonton, we have a list of things to hate, love in the feminine hygiene aisle, and a song about girl repellent. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and some of it has been in the bathroom for a suspiciously long time. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. A minute ago, we heard Lindsay read from her journal. At the time, she was 13, and she was in her very first relationship with a guy named Mitch. Here's Lindsay reading a few more journal entries from that year. October 26th. Guess what? I found a website and on it are flirting tips and stuff. (laughs) And I picked out a few things that I'm going to go do to Mitch before fifth period. Number one, smile. Number two, if I'm in the hallway and he's behind me, Look over my shoulder and smile. Number three, listen and ask questions while he's talking. Number four, copy his moves. Number five, make eye contact. And to help my parents let me date, be as mature and responsible as possible. Eek, I think I'll forget about that last one. Love, Lindsay. (laughs) November 26th. We watched a scary movie at Kelly's and the guys came over, but it was so sexy. (laughs) Because during the movie, me and Mitch squished together on Kelly's beanbag chair and he put his arm around me. And after I got home, I smelled my shirt and it smelled like Mitch. Which is a good thing, like, he doesn't have B.O. or anything. (laughs) Actually, he kind of smelled like, and I don't know how I thought of this, but he kind of smelled like the ride Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland. (laughs) It was crazy. Love, Lindsay. December 23rd. The school dance was awesome. 
But the best part was the very last song. It was We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. And since it was like a slow song, well, me and Mitch slow danced. It was so awesome. When we were dancing, he had both of his arms around me, and then one of my arms were around his back, and the other was kind of on his shoulder. And when the song ended, we kind of just stayed there. I thought we were going to kiss, but some jerk turned the lights on and ruined the moment. <laughs> well, I better get to bed. Tomorrow's Christmas Eve. Love, Lindsay. <laughs> December 30th. I am going to dump Mitch. <laughs> I've been hosting live Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids events for years, and one of the things that's always struck me is how we use writing as a way to work through the difficult or confusing parts of our lives. And there is perhaps no more difficult or confusing time in life than puberty. When Moira was 14, she wrote a short story, not for school, just for herself, and she called it Nora and Stanley. There was a young girl named Nora, Nora lived in a small town in Canada. She was 13 years old with long brown hair and big brown eyes. She loved reading, writing, and most of all, swimming. It was her favorite thing to do any time of year, even in Canada, where the weather is colder than space for nine months. <laughs> Nora was happy most of the time, but there was one thing that made her very, very sad. You see, Nora's friends were all starting to get their monthly visitors, and this meant that they were all starting to develop. But Nora hadn't got hers yet, and this meant that she still didn't have what all the other girls were getting. Boobs. Instead of boobs, Nora had small bumps that barely registered as anything more than swollen mosquito bites. And this made Nora feel really bad about herself. What was worse was that an older girl in Nora's school had started calling her Nora Little Boobs. And that was the worst. One day, Nora received an invitation from a friend. It was her 14th birthday party, and it was a swimming party. Nora was excited about going swimming, but she was really scared of wearing her bathing suit around all her friends because she was sure they would immediately notice that she had no boobs. So Nora decided that she didn't have boobs of her own. Well, she's going to have to make some boobs. She went into the bathroom and started looking through all the drawers in the medicine cabinet, but it was all in vain. There was nothing in the bathroom that she could use to construct a nice pair of tits. She went through the rest of the house. There was tissue, but that would just get wet and float away in the pool. There were socks, but those would also just get wet and probably sink to the bottom. There were also tennis balls, but if those got loose, she would never, ever live that down. Suddenly, Nora had an idea. She quickly put on her shoes and hopped on her bike, riding the four blocks to the local store. She parked her bike and locked it on the rack next to the front door and walked in nervously. Her eyes searched all the hanging aisle signs. She searched and searched until they came to rest on the one marked soaps, lotions, feminine hygiene. Looking around to make sure nobody was watching her, she darted toward the row. As she came around the corner, she saw rows and rows of bright-colored boxes and packages. Once more, she searched, this time for the shelf label marked sanitary napkins. She could just make out the words about halfway down the aisle. She needed the extra thick ones. But to her horror, standing directly in front of all the boxes was a boy she knew from school. His name was Stanley, and he was holding up a neon purple box reading the label on the back. Nora quickly turned to run away, but before she could take a step, she heard, 
Hey, Nora. She closed her eyes tightly and took a big, deep breath before turning around. Hey, Stanley, Nora said as casually as she could. Hey, Nora, Stanley replied equally as casually. What are you doing, Stanley? Nora asked. Oh, you know, he said, just picking up something for my grandma. <laughs> Nora suspiciously eyed the bright box. Your grandma? Uh, Stanley, I don't think your grandma needs those anymore. I think what she needs are one aisle over. She forced herself to, to look directly at Stanley. She saw his face go red with embarrassment. Nora noticed a tear had started to form in his eyes. He was blinking hard, trying to force them back, but it was of no use. Before she knew it was happening, he was sobbing hysterically. I know, Nora, I know. My grandma doesn't need those. I do. I'm tired of all the guys at school calling me Stanley Small Knob. I just wanted to look normal for a change, Nora. She felt sick. Stanley, I'm, I'm sorry, I, 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 wait, what? You use those to make yourself look normal, but how? Stanley's tears and heaves sobbed, stopped quickly and the aisle became quiet again. He balled his hands up and took a deep breath. Never told anyone this before, Nora, but I used them to pad. He looked directly at her, challenging her to say something back. To pad what? She asked. Her curiosity had gotten the better of her, and she forgot all about her nervousness. Yeah, well, I, uh, I stick them to the inside of my shorts, and it pads the area down there. Oh, Stanley, Nora said. I had no idea, but you know what? That's why I'm here. I was going to get some to put in my bathing suit to go to my friend's pool party. I'm sick of being called Nora Little Boobs. I just wanted to look normal, they said in unison. Nora, I think you're beautiful, Stanley said softly. You do? Yeah, and I don't care if you have little boobs. Who needs boobs? I don't. And I think you're cute, Stanley, Nora said. And I don't care if you have a small knob. It's what's on the inside that counts. <laughs> this is weird, isn't it, Stanley said. Yep, very, Nora said. I better get going, he said. Maybe I'll see you around school. Sure, that's cool, she said. She smiled at him, and he turned to walk away down the aisle. She looked down at the box of sanitary napkins that Stanley had thrown on the floor. Hey, Stanley, you forgot these for your grandma, she called after him. Those? <laughs> she doesn't need those anymore, he said with a broad smile and marched out of the store. <laughs> Nora stood for a minute trying to figure out what had just happened. When she realized that she probably would never understand, she started walking up the aisle towards the door. As she walked by the box on the floor, she stood still, and before she could stop herself, she kicked it under the bottom shelf. You're right, Stanley, she said. She doesn't need those anymore. The end. Um, looking back, the things that strike me about this story are that I had a very bizarre way of dealing with what was occurring in my own life. I grew up in the Middle East, so um, I was surrounded by people from all over the world, and there were different uh, cultural norms, I guess you would say, for um, body type, and, and uh, mine was a little bit larger, so I think it it uh, this was a way for me to... Uh, kind of work through some of what I was feeling on a daily basis about my body. Um, not necessarily how I was feeling at the time about my own chest, but definitely, uh, you know, about my body size in general. And, uh, you know, kids are cruel. 
um, you know, my parents actually held on to this piece of writing, and uh, I'd forgotten that I'd written it. And, uh, you know, perhaps they see a reflection of themselves in, in the humor. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm honored that they decided to keep this piece of writing and spring it on me 25 years later. It's wonderful. When our next reader, Alan, was in grade seven, his teacher gave the class an assignment. Write about the person in the world you like the most. And at our Edmonton show, Alan read that assignment. But first, he showed off what he'd written it in. This is an authentic scribbler from grade seven, Avalon Junior High, circa 1969. My favorite person. My best friend's name is Chris Wheatley. (laughs) You know him. He has blonde hair and inconspicuous freckles. He is about five foot one inch tall and weighs about 95 pounds. He has blue eyes that stand out in his pale face. He has a good sense of humor and shows it with his jokes and pranks. There is an incident that I found extremely funny. It was one day when I was helping him deliver newspapers. This is 1969. While I was putting a newspaper into a mailbox, he threw a snowball at the screen door on the house I was delivering to. He was a pitcher in Little League. And sure enough, the snowball found its mark. It rattled against the door and let out a terrifying bang. That really made me jump, and I fled as fast as I could from that house, afraid that someone would come out steaming mad. (laughs) Luckily, nobody did. Besides being a joker, Chris is tender-hearted and has a sentiment towards all animals. He has a dog named Geronimo, but everyone calls him Jerry, and a cat named Spoofus. He likes sports and plays very many of them. His favorite hockey team is Toronto. And his favorite football team is also Toronto. And that's my favorite person. Now, there is a companion piece to this. Because for some reason, our teacher also made us write a story about the person we dislike the most. Things were a lot looser back in 1969. The person I dislike the most is Kevin. He has no feelings for other people. He is really queer. He is weak and thinks he is the coolest guy going. I cleaned him out in wrestling. I flipped him and jumped on him and pinned him in no time flat. Boy, is he weak. He's real dumb. He got ones in every subject on the last report card. He swears all the time and wears kooky clothes. He wears dresses and blouses and green underwear. He smells like a skunk and looks like a chimp. All things considered, He's not such a bad guy. 
I got eight out of 10 on that. It sounds like Kevin really could have used maybe a friend instead of a cruel essay written by a schoolmate. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Joining us on stage right now, Rosemary is going to read a book that she started writing when she was 17 years old. It is entitled Letters to Jenny, and though it is a work of fiction, she says it was inspired by true events. Please welcome to our stage, Rosemary. Letters to Jenny. This book of letters is dedicated to anyone who has lost a close friend and is growing up alone. Everybody has an angel on their shoulder. Mine is a close friend, Jenny. April 1st, 1995. Dear Jenny, today I came to visit you. The snow is melting, so I can put fresh flowers on your grave and they won't freeze. I can't believe you aren't here with me. I was looking at some of the pictures I have in my album of us on April Fool's Day. We did such funny things just to get a laugh. I could hear you laughing in my head and I couldn't bear it, so I slammed shut the album and ran away. There are so many pranks I still want to play, but you aren't here to help me pull them off, and no one is the prankster that you are. I can't believe it's been a whole year since you were killed. It feels like yesterday that you were here sleeping on my floor or camping out my backyard in my tent. My cat misses you. What will I ever do without you? I feel like I'll never have another best friend. I still pray for you at night. Please ask the angels if there's a way you can come back. I love you. R. June 30th, 1995. Dear Jenny, I can't believe another grade is over. I feel so old sometimes. I went to the movies with Rhonda the other night, but she just isn't like you. She doesn't throw popcorn or boo the bad guys, and she's always trying to get a date while I'm trying to have fun. <laughs> your mom keeps finding your old things and sending them over to my house. No offense, but I already have enough memories of you, and it just makes me cry more. I love you, but it's so hard to see your stuff all the time because it just brings back memories of you. My mom says she's just trying to be nice and that she's lost without you. Your brother turned three the other day. He's a great talker, but he keeps saying your name and it makes your mom really sad. I always wonder what it would be like if you were still here. Would we still follow our dreams of traveling around the world together? I'll look after your brother. I promise to be a great older sister like you were. I miss you, Jenny. July 3rd, 1995. Dear Jenny, two months of vacation. We're going to the ocean. 
I have the shell I gave you. I'm taking it back to where I got it, and I'm putting a note in it that says, Jenny, your friend loves you. If you can find this shell, please find a way back into my life. I miss you. I need you. R. I'm going to throw the shell off the side of our boat into the ocean. If the mermaids find it, maybe they'll have a way of bringing us back together. I hope to see you soon. I'm praying for the mermaids and for us. I want you back. I miss you. July 17th, 1995. Dear Jenny, the sea is so beautiful at night. It's jet black and the moon's shadow dances on it. I thought I saw you running along the sand to me, but it was another girl. I sat on the sand and let the sea spit its tears on me. I remember when you came on vacation with us. On the way, we sang so loudly in the car to the music that was on the radio that we had to eat tons of ice cream when we arrived because we had sore throats. The mermaids still haven't contacted me yet. I'm waiting and I'll wait forever for you. Please come back. I miss your smile. I wish I got freckles like you did in the sun. R. P.S. My cat got bit by a crab. He's crabby now. <laughs> August 1st, 1995. Dear Jenny, I hate my mom. We went shopping for school clothes the other day, and she just wanted to pick what I was to wear. She just doesn't know what's cool. We used to be so good at convincing our moms to buy anything for us when we went shopping. I think I'll get a job, and then I can get what I want. Gordon's moving, so maybe I can take over his paper route. It rained last night, and I lit a candle in your memory. Every time it rains, I light one because the sky is open, and maybe you'll see the light and find your way home. Come home soon, Jenny. I want to stop crying. My cat had kittens. I named one Jenny. R. Thank you. One more time for Rosemary. When Jamie was in third grade, she wrote a list of things that she hated. And at our Edmonton show, Jamie read the list and a follow-up journal entry that expands on one item in particular. The things I hate. In parentheses, people too. <laughs> Mrs. Bellotta. Mrs. Carr. Mrs. Von Conrad, Mr. Manna, Mrs. Paris, Nigel, in parentheses, a boy in my class, and then very clearly written later on in different colored gel pen, but he's not that bad. Guns, totally. Bombs. Totally. Satan. Extra totally. 
And this journal was like a guided journal. And one of the stories was titled, The Most Embarrassing Thing That Ever Happened to Me. And it involves Nigel. <laughs> one morning, I went to school and my mom drove me. That's when it happened. Two boys came out, Jesse and Jason. I could never trust them. They said that a boy named Nigel gave me a rose and a love note. I should have said, told my mom, but I didn't know if I could trust them. So I went in the school and straight to the grade three classroom. As I opened the door, the class was laughing and they were looking at me and it hit me like a rock in the head. It was true. The boys were right. There was a big red rose on my desk and a love note. It said, roses are red. Candy is sweet, but not as sweet as you. For the whole day, I hid my face and didn't look at Nigel. The end. As a live show, Grown Ups Read Things They've Heard As Kids has a pretty simple setup. Some chairs, a stage, a microphone, nothing too fancy. But at our Edmonton show, we had some additional equipment on stage. You may be wondering why there is a guitar on the stage. And as Carlito comes up and turns on his amplifier, I'm going to explain exactly what's happening here. When Carlito was 14 or 15 years old, he had a relationship with a girl. They broke up. He wrote some journal entries about that girl and then wrote a song, and we're gonna hear it tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to our stage, Carlito. A quick heads up, Carlito uses some cuss words in his song, which we do not bleep. Okay, here's Carlito, first with lyrics from his journal, and then a full-on song. The first one, I'm just gonna read you really quick. This is when I was really upset, it was called Girl Repellent. Um, and I'm just gonna read you really quick the verse. What the hell is wrong with me? I just don't get these females. Is it my smell or maybe the gel I put in my hair to impress them? <laughs> Can anyone unravel this mystery to me? They blow me away like I don't mean a thing. <laughs> I know, aw. The chorus goes, just bottle me as girl repellent. It's so easy to see that I'm girl repellent. It's so obvious to them like it's written on my skin. I know! All right, uh, really quick, I'm gonna sing a song really quick, sorry. Oh, we were in a shitty like Blink-182 cover man. Yeah, me and you, 
We tried for one, not two. But it got fucked and now I can't even talk to you and now things are bad for me and you. Yeah, I'm so sad. I never want to fall in love again. <laughs> What's with this life? Caught me by surprise over and over again. Woe is me. Wish I could have seen before I fell in love. Yeah, me and you. Doesn't that sound cool? We could hang out and chill in my room. It's just too bad. It had to end. But in your mind, it shouldn't have began. What's with this life? Come me by surprise over and over again. Woe is me. I wish I could have seen before I fell in love. If you want to see Carlito's performance, we have a video. It is up on Facebook. Just search for Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids or use the link in the show notes on your device right now. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Mercury Room in Edmonton and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Olivia Nashmi is our intern. Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids is an independent production supported by listeners like you. So if you like the show and you want to help us continue to make it, visit grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com and click support the show. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>